This call is being recorded. You are Locked On Browns, your daily podcast covering the Cleveland Browns, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Uh, good evening, everybody, as we roll on through. As you know, on Monday nights, uh, first things first, we sit down with John Costco, try to make some sense of, sadly, yet another Sunday debacle. So, from PFF. Jeff Lloyd, John Costco, you local experts on the biggest stories, all things Cleveland Brown-wise, for your daily delivery of all things Dog Pound. Um, John, look, it's to the point here now. It's, it's you know, look, injuries throw it out the window. Excuses throw it out the window. It's the halfway point here. Yeah, oh, well, some people missed OTAs, or people didn't play as much in the preseason. It's all crap now. It's nonsense. It's no excuse anymore. This team just flat out puts out a flat product week in, week out. I guess we'll start offensively. It seems when they succeed offensively, John, it's more luck than it is game planning. Or And again, we, we say it every week. There's no rhyme or reason. There's no flow. There's no juice. They get a big play. Maybe it's because of break on the defense, or it's usually Nick Chubb. But there's just no recipe here for success. Yeah. Um, you know, let's talk about, you know, people want to t- point to Odo Beckham Jr. not having any offseason reps and preseason, blah, blah, blah. Uh, well, the San Francisco 49ers just uh, traded for Emmanuel Sanders and, you know, not even two weeks ago. And that dude has like unbelievable chemistry with Jimmy Garoppolo already. So don't give me that crap. All right. Like players, you know, Mohamed Sanu traded for as well. He caught like what, nine balls last night? Not always on the same page, but. Brady got him the ball and he was catching, you know, first downs and stuff like that. Um, you know, it, it's, it basically what it is, is, you know, when you, it's a failure of the head coach and the quarterback, it's essentially what it is. And when it goes from, you can take it another step forward and, and John Dorsey as well. And, and just like the entire, how it's all been put together um, because John Dorsey hired Freddie Kitchens to be that head coach, right? You could have stuck with Greg Williams, and I know that would have been a very unpopular decision, but that product looked fantastic on the field. Everybody would agree with that. So, like, it's just a, essentially it's a failure of the of the GM to pick the right head coach, and then the head coach not getting, not for whatever reason, not getting the team to play and, and execute on it properly. And then it's also on the quarterback for not being prepared for the season. Um, he, he took an entire, it seemed like he took an off season and, and coasted it, made a bunch of commercials and, you know, it, it really shows up in the film this year where he's struggling to read defenses and he's missing on reads that he made last year. And it's not like it's, you know, yeah, our defense is putting different looks on him. Sure. But it's not as if like, he's not seeing a lot of the same things because it's not, it's not like it's completely new to him. So he's just missing open reads. He's indecisive on a lot of things. Um, and why that is, um, stems from pretty much probably the off season and, and just a lack of preparation coming into the season and not being ready for it. And then trying to get ready on the fly. And then also having an offensive system that really doesn't really make much sense because it's just, there's no cohesion. You don't have an identity. You know, you look at San Francisco, they have an identity. They know exactly what they're going to run every single time they 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 go out in the field. You you know exactly what to expect, but you don't know what they're going to run because they make everything look the same, uh, and they do everything off of off of that wide zone. Uh, same thing with 
with the Minnesota Vikings. You know, they have a new offensive coordinator this year. They implemented a system. They had a specific system that they wanted to implement uh, yeah, based on yeah, if you're running the play action, it needs to look the same way every single time because they don't. you don't want to know if it's actually a run or, or a pass coming up. When you watch the Browns do it, Baker makes these 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 like half-assed token fakes and it doesn't look good and nobody buys it and there he's looking to take a, a deep shot and he's like oh it's cover four back there and there's four defenders covering one guy I can't take that deep shot but we only have two guys in route and that other guy's double covered I'm taking a sack now to end the play and that happens it like it, it's almost so predictable too when when they call these deep shots it's always at the beginning of a quarter it's always from a heavy personnel set. It's always at about midfield. I'd have to look it up exactly. I could easily do that. But, I mean, that's essentially what it is. You can almost predict when it's going to happen. And and really, it, it just kind of stems all, all of how what the, the offensive product looked like. It's just discombobulated, no plan, no execution. All right. We're going to get here. Uh, you know, there's a player two I do want to get to specifically. Um Greg Robinson, and this is, you know, John, we had a hell of a pregame show. We did. We had Greg Robinson going back. We had Wyatt Teller starting. When we get to the defensive side, we said maybe it's time to start playing three linebackers. There was an issue there, though. Um, But look, Greg Robinson isn't Joe Thomas. Very similar to how Justin McCray isn't Greg Robinson. Um, Talk about Greg. Obviously, talk about Wyatt Teller's first start here. Go ahead and uh, talk about those two days. Yeah, so Greg Robinson played like a Greg Robinson usually does, and he wasn't good, but he wasn't a train wreck. Yes, Justin McCray. He, <laughs> right, he wasn't Justin McCray bad. Uh, was he uh, somebody that you can stick out there one-on-one against Von Miller? Probably no. He he got beat on, on occasion, but he did give up a sack and, and a couple of hurries, but it wasn't a train wreck. Wyatt Teller in pass protection was good, but his run blocking was atrocious. I don't know what the heck happened to Wyatt Teller in run blocking. Um, and I guess it probably could have seen this coming last year in, um, you know, in, when he started with the Bills, he was not a great run blocker. Actually, his his season grade, as I should have pulled it up beforehand, but his season grade run blocking was a 49. So it wasn't good, but he was good as a, as a protect, pass protector. And that's kind of what we were looking at is like, hey, get better protection there. That did improve. That was good there. You know, he did give up a couple of hits in this game. But those are only the only blemishes he had, as opposed to like Eric Kush, who would continually get beat on a, on a regular basis in pass protection. But Wyatt Tyler was weak at the point of attack in a run game. So um, was it better than Kush? Yes, but it still wasn't as good as I was expecting it to be. Um, and there might be a, a serious issue with his run blocking ability um, based on last year and already seen in this game here so far. He doesn't move very well. He does not move very well. It's it, I, I, He's literally got one step backwards, one step forward, one step left or right. But pretty much every player on the defensive line he's going to encounter has more athleticism than he does. Yeah, it's, a, it's unfortunate. I mean, you, you, a lot of times, uh, like, athleticism on the offensive line doesn't mean a whole ton. Um, but you've got to be – like, the athleticism, like, like numbers, what I'm saying, like, in terms of just, like – um, you know, straight line speed, blah, 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 whatever. But like, you have to have, be able to play with leverage. You have to stay low pad level. You have to use your hands properly, all that stuff. You know that, but, um, and, and when it comes to the run game, it's about being able to drive somebody. And he apparently can't do that very well. Um, where it comes into pass protection, it's, it's being able to anchor down more. So, and he's better at that. Um, you know, it takes obviously two different skills to be able to do both. So, um, 
you know, we're, we'll find we'll find out. Like, I'd say to continue starting him. See what you have in him. Um, he might might develop more as a run blocker. He might develop that lower body strength to be able to create pad leverage and, and whatnot. But so far, early signs are no. Um, he could be serviceable as a backup type guy that you would, you would bring in. Uh, but it really does seem like this offseason is something that they're going to have to address multiple positions on, a, on that offensive line. We'll see what Drew Forbes can be. I believe he's coming back for this game. Maybe he'll get some snaps, probably won't start. But, um, you know, I guess I guess these next eight weeks are basically seeing what you have on that offensive line and what they can pretty much prove. Look, at this point, there's zero reason to actually put Eric Cush back out there. Um, you made no, the move no, for no Wyatt Teller. You made the trade for it. Yeah. yeah, I mean, look, I mean, Eric Kush, I mean, he's relegated now to backup center. And it's been funny because they've been saying this now a couple of times and they seem to like once a week seem to want to hit. That is a big damn jug of water, John. Yes, um, they is. seem to want to hint every now and then that Drew Ford does have some some possibilities towards center, which aggravates me because I really like J.C. Trevor as a player. You know, they're hinting that, look, no stones unturned here right now. And they're trying to do their due diligence, which is obviously what you need to be doing, especially with the record being two and eight at this point, the fourth and four, John. Uh, now look, I mean, the crossers all over the middle. I, I even think the pump was, it was probably a smart idea. Cause what did you do? You drew up, you know, the, the one defender over the top of Jarvis, obviously there was a defender under underneath, but my thing was by drawing that defender up, now you created space from Callaway and let's not even get to the fact that, Junior's got to step on anybody. I don't care what the corner's name is, whether it's Daryl Green or freaking Deion Sanders in the prime. If Odell's got to step, that's what he's here for. Yeah, you think Tom Brady, when when he had Randy Moss, was not throwing, forcing the ball to Randy Moss because he was Randy Moss? Of course he was. That's what you do when you have a, a caliber of player that like that. Um, I mean, OBJ was open all game long, and Baker is – you know, either not seeing him or just not throwing the ball for whatever reason. You saw it on that first drive, third down. He 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 looked over there. He had a quick out. He was wide open. Chose to throw it over the middle where there's yep. there was some miscommunication with Landry, but there's no reason that he should have been throwing that pass in the first place. He would have been throwing a hospital ball. Landry shouldn't have drifted upfield behind the linebacker, but if he goes in front of the linebacker, which is what you're supposed to do on that play, he's getting lit up. Um, I but mean, down not that a fourth in this league. That's covering Odell on a speed out. So that one was even just terrible in his face as well. Right. So like you, 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 you go over there, you, you look to see the OBJ's, you know, one-on-one in the corner he runs a speed out. He's open. You decide to pass it up. It's the same thing with the, on that fourth and four play sides, not go there. Listen, if he, if he's not hesitant about throwing it to Jarvis right away, that's a first down, no problem, but he was jittery in the pocket. And that's what, kind of what the season's been like for him is where he's just jittery in the pocket. And when, when push came to shove and the season's on the line, he crumbled and you know, I mean, it's, it's frustrating to watch. It really is because he's taken a, a quite a big step backwards from where he was last year. And it's, he looks like a completely different player than what we saw last year. Um, and you wonder, have to, I, I mean, I wonder is if, if it's salvageable because a lot of times quarterbacks, like their mental, compa- uh, you know, ability to, with, to just be able to, to take the ebbs and flows and the, and the, the ups and downs of an NFL season, it's tough. And a lot of 
players crumble and they don't come back from it. You look at Tim Couch, he was the same type of guy, had all the talent in the world, um, you know, and, and it was injuries that kind of did him in. But like that first season for him was was quite detrimental. And you see it a lot of times with quarterbacks and a lot of times, you know, it's it quarterbacks, if they're, you know, mentally strong, they can bounce back from it. But like this this season's really making me question that from him. Uh, based on like kind of everything that's gone on and that fourth down play kind of like epitomizes that it's it's just you feel it getting going and you're able to rip some off and it's literally getting to the point now where they get to the 20 yard line and all of a sudden you know and it's not like he's greatly accurate getting to there but he gets to the 20 yard line and it looks like, I mean, pretty much like the great wall of China for him. It's, it's like this thing. He just came to Jarvis. I mean, it was, you know, get it to Jarvis within a second and Jarvis was able to beat a tackle and score. It, 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 obviously now this part's got to be in, in his head. Some of it, I do wonder where he's at physically right now, because there is just no grip it and rip it. I, I watched two games from 18 today. Some of the better ones, Carolina, Atlanta. I mean, if it wasn't on the jersey, you know, you have a hard time telling me it's the same dude because it was so free flowing. It was so, so confident in the way he did everything, and ed- the mannerisms coming out of the huddle, out of the huddle, looking over the defense, and just right now, I mean, he's a microcosm of what we saw. Here. Yeah, it's 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 he's a he's a shell. He's not even close to the player he was last year because on on those plays, you know, he's he's making decisive decisions. I mean, and it's. It, you know, he hits that back foot. He knows exactly where he's going with the ball, and he rips it. And he did that all year last year. And people want to point to just the second half of the year of where he started to really take off. And, yeah, from ten, weeks 10 to 17, it was better than the early season stuff. But, it like, he was still very good in the early season stuff because he was decisive with his reads. He was ripping it into tight windows. He was making, he was making the right reads. Uh, yeah, he made some mistakes early on and stuff, but like a lot of his issues, like there was a pick six against, you know, uh, Oakland where Callaway slipped. It wasn't on him. So like any of the stuff like that, where it was like, like a lot of those issues, I mean, he, he still threw tons of big time throws in the first half of the season. Um, and it was basically a better, the players around Baker that played better, uh, in the second half of the season and, and a lighter schedule where the team really took off, um, and you know you you did see progress from Baker. It did look like he he was improving, and but he was it was still not bad. This year it's just like it's regressed to worse than anything we've like ever seen from him. And we're talking even about college. Like college has never looked like this for him. You know because he was he was even in college he knew exactly where he was going with the ball. If he he felt pressure, he was able to get out of it, buy some time, and make the, the throws downfield. Now it's just basically. It's, he, he doesn't know what he's doing. It really feels like he just doesn't know what he's doing back there. doesn't know what he's looking back at, you know, on, on the field there because even so like in this game, he had, he averaged 4.8 yards depth of target. Like that's insanely low. Like he's a guy that's always that's been second like, string quarterback type of stuff. It's not even, I mean like Luke, Luke Falk in the game against the, the Browns was at 4.9. Like that's third strings type stuff. Right. So like he's a guy that, in college was, you know, up in 13 average target. And then even in uh, last year, he was at about 10, you know, he was one of the league leaders last year and he's way below that now. So he's not, and part of it is because like, like I was saying with that, you know, taking a, that shot throw 
Um, those aren't there because they're calling them at the wrong times. And so you have two guys in route and there's nowhere to throw it. And so then it's like, all right, well, there's, it's no, nobody's open there. But then he's like the other times, like he's just not reading the field. Like you saw it in week one against the Titans where he had Rashard Higgins wide open on a, on a post and he just didn't throw it. And that's why I question, like, what did you do this off season? Like you got, you, you made a bunch of commercials and got married and like getting married is a huge like ordeal. And it, he, and like, he had this tweet last week after the blow up with, with, you know, Tony Grossi and everything like that. And it was like, Oh, you think I'm, I'm complacent now? It's like, it's like, no, like I, you're probably urgent. You have this urgency now, but you got complacent in the off season. That's where I question where, when he got complacent, it was in the off season. And really like, instead of getting better in the off season, doesn't, it didn't seem like he did that. And you saw it from week one and it's been there the entire season. And he's, you're trying to, you try to scramble in season to get it better. And then you also have the, the system. And I'm, I'm, I've already said this stuff, but it's just like, it all stems from that. I think. Uh, yeah. I mean, we'll put, we'll start kicking it over to the defensive side of the ball for me here though. And, and this is something I was talking about today with a couple of people is, you know, I, I never thought we'd be talking about Baker Mayfield and using the term playing not to lose in, it's kind of what you're seeing here right now. He's trying to play safe, not to lose. And this is something you never thought you were going to see with he definitely you know, the guy scared. we saw last year. That, he, you know, he played the, not the to turn the ball the over this game. Sorry. Yeah, he turned. He played not to turn the ball over in this game. And he almost did. So, you know. And that's, you know, that's just something I never thought we'd be talking about here about, you know, less than 12 months later. We'll get to the defensive side here with John Costco from PFF. Treat yourself to the meal you deserve and have your favorite restaurants come to you with DoorDash. Right now, our listeners can get $5 off their first order of $15 or more when you download the DoorDash app and enter the promo code LOCKEDON, all caps. Uh, guys, this is a lifesaver. Uh, you know, sometimes you can't get out, whatever the reason may be. Uh, sometimes it's too much work. Sometimes you're too lazy. Kids, homework, all the stuff. Let DoorDash get you the meal that you and your family need or that you just need. Use a promo code, like I said. All caps, no space. Locked on. Appreciate them for the sponsorship of the Locked On Podcast Network. I guess we'll start here, John, and this is the one I want to get to. Now, I told you we had we did well in prediction. Found out there was no Randall. Once you found out there was no Eric Murray, the question was going to be, could you really go the route of this 4-2-5? Did you have the safeties? Did you have the safeties you trusted enough? That's another story. Maybe we'll squeeze it in here whatsoever. <laughs> so maybe it was time to like um, Joe Schobert is the most intelligent linebacker you have. Guess what? Joe can play anywhere. If it's his job to know everybody's assignment, Joe can go anywhere. So maybe it was time to throw Sione Taki Taki at the mic and let Joe man a will. But no, we played our Darius Taylor for, I, I think it was 27 reps. 20, 25. 25. Uh, okay, 25. Well, yeah. I mean, it's either way, I mean, uh, yeah, I don't see that any of them were good. And and then we'll get to the uh, lovely Noah Fant running through the park where I don't even think anybody put two hands on. Yeah, so Darius Taylor was terrible. Uh, 40.0 grade. His tackling grade of a 26.2 out of a scale of one to or 0 to 100. Uh, that's He's a real F. football player, John. It's a real football player. It's an F. Jermaine Whitehead. Uh, 42.1. He was awful as well in all facets of the game. Uh, Chad Thomas. Many, uh... <laughs> oh, okay. Let's see. Go ahead, Chad. 
Chad Chad Thomas thirty seven point three. So those are the three lowest graded players in in the of the game for the for the Browns on offense or defense. Um, not good, not good, Bob. Um, hey, Jannard Avery first action yesterday with the Eagles had three three tackles and a half a sack. By the way, Just yeah, three insane. three plays, three tackles. And that's great. Um, yeah, but he's uh, yeah. Now and now Olivier Vernon might be. I don't know. We'll find out what his knee injury is, but. You know, he looked like he was in serious pain. If that's something like he's out for the season, man, they could really use a backup, uh, you know, pass rusher now. But they at least they went and got uh, Demontre Moore. So, um, yeah, hey, signed Port Augustine to the practice squad too. So. Hey, that guy looks like a beast from that picture. Yeah, that guy looks like uh, he. If they gave him a bottle of piss, and it's going to be a world. Of- <laughs> yes, yes, it is. He looks um, WWE. He looks WWE huge. Yeah. Uh, he, he's more shredded than Miles Garrett, maybe. Um, that's impressive. No but yeah, so Joe Schobert played his best game of the year. Uh, if we're looking on the bright side of things, his, his overall grade of an 89.9, his coverage grade of an 86.4. Um, Joe Schobert that we've become accustomed to. Yeah. And that's what you want to see. That's the, the, the Schobert we want to, we were hoping to see like on a weekly basis. Um, and hopefully he's, he's going to get back to that. I don't know, you know, he didn't miss a single tackle in this game and he's improved on, on his tackling this year. I think he's at seven. I'm not going to pull it up real quick, but he's, he's much lower. Like last year's like the lead leaguer leader and he's not there this year. Oh, so yeah. much, much better. Um, you know, obviously he forced that fumble. So he's hopefully, you know, for Brown's sakes, he's, he's back to what he was last year. Um, in that regard, he was actually good as a, as a run defender at 77.0. Um, but yeah, like Darius Taylor, like I said, it was really bad. Taki Taki didn't get any snaps on the defense, unfortunately. Um, I'm wondering. And that's that's the part that's kind of look. If you were going to play the three linebackers, if you're playing Wyatt Teller, because here's an investment you have in a younger player, and you want to see what you got. Um, you know, our Darius Taylor is you know a street free. That's in his life. You know, everybody's got the reputation of being a special teams player. If you need a couple, of, they put a third round pick in. Um, if it's not now, when is it time to get this kid? Yeah, it's like, and it's also like, it's not like Mac Wilson played great or has been playing great too. So like, I don't, I don't understand the point of, of like starting him over Taki Taki. Whereas like Taki Taki is going to go out there and fight for you. I mean, we, we know this with him. I mean, look, even if you're going to lose in some of these games, he ain't going to let you step on him. Like he's a piece of dirt. He's, you know, he's going to go at it. Right. Like he's, he's going to be an animal out there and he's going to be a, a, an enforcer. And I, you know, he might have bad games. He might have had a worse game than Darius Taylor. I don't know, but like, you know, what you have in a Darius Taylor and, and, you know, maybe they thought they could win. They, maybe they thought they could win better with him. I don't know. I mean, that's what coaches do, right? Like they, they make these decisions that are sometimes odd or whatever, but like, like, I don't know. It, I'm not, I'm not a fan of what they like the lack of reps that Taki Taki has been, you know, not getting this year. Yeah. He's not, I mean, is he just in practice? Is he looking that bad that he's not getting the field? I mean, that'd be the only thing I could think of, but it's still like, like you can't be as bad as Darius Taylor, who's never shown anything at all in any NFL game in his career. So, you know, I don't know. I, I disagree with how they've, they've handled that position. Um, obviously. So like good news, Joe Schobert, the Schobert we saw last year showed up and he, uh, hopefully that will continue. 
And here's a guy we're not sure if this franchise is going to resign. We're talking about other linebackers on this roster that they either A, won't put on the field, or B, haven't shown enough yet to warrant being totally on the field. So let's all feel great about that. Right. Like if So Joe Schobert, like, um, if, if they're not going to re-sign him, like they've then mismanaged the, the linebacker position all year long, right? Like, like they they're going to go into the off season with Mac Wilson as their only returning linebacker. And I mean, they're not re-signing. They're I mean, they're going to cut Kirksey just because he's like the dead cap on that would be. If they're not going to pay Joe Schobert, they're certainly not going to pay Christian Kirksey that money. <laughs> right. Like, so you have to sign, you have to bring back one of these guys. You've got to have some type of veteran depth there. And it has to be, it needs to be Joe Schober. Even if he's, even the struggles he's had this year, like he's an intelligent player. He's probably being misplayed. Uh, and he, he's, he, he knows how to like get people pl- lined up. He, he's always in the right positions. Yeah. He, he struggled this year, but like, he's also shown really good tape last year. And he might be acclimating to the system, and who knows? He might might be, we might be seeing it now that he's going to be, you know, taken off in grade or something like that, and, and play. So we'll see. Um, and now look, I mean, we'll get to the Noah fan you know, touchdown. Jermaine Whitehead, whether or not his hand was hurt, that's irregardless. Um, and look, you know, he wouldn't be the first defensive back to try to blow through a tight end's knees. Look, a lot of us who were smaller, we were coached. Like, understand your circumstances, son. You go high, you're getting sent for. A... The problem is, a he didn't go through him. He, like he sort of like half-assed it. Um, then my other problem though is, where is the gang tackling mentality, John? Because everybody stopped dead in their shoes. And look, this is a 240-pound tight end. You know, and one of your D-backs, your boys, is trying to take him down. Everybody just stopped dead. Like, oh yeah, he's got it. I mean, you know, in, in a situation like that, it's either go low and hope you get him or hang on for dear life till your boys show up. And then the effort and the guy who dove after him, he's falling flat on his face. It's That is where effort absolutely comes into it. And it's play to the whistle and it's, you know, hat on a ball. I mean, this isn't stuff we should have to talk about here. Show up on game day, week in, week out. It's the freaking NFL. I mean, it's it's weird that we even have to have this conversation after the fact. Do, do we have to have a conversation about it? I mean, they played crap. <laughs> but, you know, it's like, so, yeah, Whitehead and Taylor were the t- two of the missed tackles on that, and Greedy Greedy Williams was the other missed tackle on that. I mean, and ha- I mean, Greedy's played really well this year. Up, You know, you know he's, missed, he's not been perfect, but he's played well. Uh, but, like, Whitehead is, is, an, is an example of, like, a guy that's played – Awful all year long outside of two plays in one game that really kind of boosted his grade um, and just didn't screw well, up didn't in that have, game. He had three. He had, well, he had three. He had the interception. He had the forced fumble, and then he forced the interception that Devereaux Lawrence. So that was it. That, that was that, His career highlight was one song. Right, whatever. You know, what, three plays. Fine, give him three plays, whatever. But, like, that's the thing. It's like he's been terrible. All year long, missing tackles, busts in coverage, missed on run gaps. The touchdown was it touchdown, or was it like the forty yarder? Whatever, one of the big long runs, he missed his gap assignment. It was the touchdown. Yeah, he was he was the one that yep. failed on his gap assignment. There, he just instead he he got blocked, but he he tried going to the wrong gap in the first place. Uh, so it's okay to get blocked, but as long as you still fulfill your assignment, yes. If you fill your gap and you're getting blocked. That's one thing. If you get pushed through your gap, 
you know, that's bad. But if you go buy your gap into a different gap that's not yours and then get blocked, that's even worse uh, because you've made a mental mistake and then you've gotten blocked as well. So, um, you know, if you get physically dominated at the point of attack by a fullback, that's, you know, that happens. It's the NFL. It happens. But uh, compounding a mental mistake with a bad play as well. And so, like, why he's continually put out there where, like, Justin Burst in this game, he had 11 snaps, 64.5 grade. His tackling grade, did he miss a tackle? No, he did not. 79.5 tackling grade in this game because he did not miss a tackle. Uh, I guarantee you he would have tried to use two hands and arms to wrap up Noah Fant on that uh, touchdown run. And Darius Taylor did also did not, or he just fell off of him. But, like, when you make a tackle, you have to, especially for going for legs, you don't just use your shoulders. Like, Go for a leg and try to single leg it or something like that. You have to take him down in that form or fashion. You can't just you can't just assume that your shoulder is going to knock down a dude that is, you know, fifty pounds larger than you who's running at full speed. It's not going to happen. And then the dude run. I mean, the dude runs a four four. So like you get him in a straight line, he's burning everybody. You good luck trying to chase him down. Like even even like Ward couldn't chase him down from you know, and he had a decent angle on it. Because he's he's a fast dude, so it's like, I mean, it, it's all bad. It was just all bad. Okay, now John, under the PFF scope, how do we grade a Twitter rant where you're threatening threatening bodily violence against beat reporters and radio folks in Cleveland? Um, I'm still, I, I need some sort of urban dictionary to find out what some of that actually means. And look, I mean, I'm hoping. S- not all of this is because of the Twitter nonsense. I'm hoping some of what it's because he's just not freaking any good. Uh, 100% that he was cut because of the Twitter nonsense. I've just he, the, 100%. They told him to take it down, and he said, ah, I'm, I'm not going to do like, that. Like, really? They were going to. So if he would have taken it down, they probably would have let him stay on a team, which is. A culture issue, which is where I come back to what I was saying earlier. I said it last week that John Dorsey has been a problem, and that's a problem. Like, there's there should be if, – if they were going to – because that's – there's no room for that ever at all. And you know what? What's I mean, it's, the irony of, of it all might be is that he's getting cut, and who's replacing him? Who's going to take his roster spot? Kareem Hunt, baby. There you go. And then meanwhile, and you look at things like the Houston Texans and you see gentlemen like Darren Fells and gentlemen like Duke Johnson week in, week out, playing for a team now that's obviously, you know, looks like they have, you know, gonna be set up for a playoff run and didn't essentially do anything wrong here, but they had to be moved on from, I guess because they weren't real football players. But I do remember I don't remember any time or anything of that nature. So the thing is, you know, and this is where John gets himself in trouble is because John's mouth writes checks that his ass can't, his ass can't cash. And that's and this is where you, you get like this double entendre is he says things. And then meanwhile, everybody in the room's like, oh, wait, wait, wait a minute. But this this totally contradictions are never going to get addressed. Those scenarios are, you know, but it leaves a whole lot of people wondering. But well, you said A, but does A really mean B? Because it certainly sounds like that from what we're all sitting. You remember, I think I said it last week where he was talking about like Duke Johnson not being on the team is showing up on those third downs. Well, it showed up again this week. Again, like if you're not going to, you're, you're put out Hilliard. Not, out there. Third and three, would you rather give the ball to Duke Johnson or Dontrell Hilliard? 
Duke Johnson. You knew Kareem Hunt was not going to be here. You knew you had eight weeks without Kareem Hunt. And everybody, Duke oh, well, one of your best running really, backs really in the NFL. Nice Duke Johnson's a top yes. 10 running back in the NFL. When he has the ball in his hands, he's a top 10 running back in the NFL easily. He, I mean, he, he forces missed tackles better than any running back in the NFL. Any. And that, that's, a, that's a fact. That's not like a grade that we give out. He, he, when he has the ball in his hands out, like, so like our grades can be subjective. Like people, like the, we sit, set, you know, our grades are to a pretty strict criteria to be able to earn grades and stuff like that. But like a missed tackle is a missed tackle. You've either, you either forced that missed tackle or you didn't. And Duke Johnson does that better than any running back in the NFL when he has the ball in his hands. And they got rid of him. And he, would he have picked up those third downs? I think so. Because he's Duke Johnson. He makes those guys miss. You know, he makes the right read. Dontre Hilliard has, has shown that all year long, even in preseason, that he didn't make the right reads. You know, he fumbled the ball on the goal line, stuff like that. And, you know, and, and that's the thing. It's like the, the whole whole culture, whole culture issue. And it's it feeds out throughout the, the entire team, not having the right cleats, not having the – that. I mean, that's – you know – it's a rule for a rule. Like, it's a rule. It's a stupid rule, but it's a rule, and you have to follow it. And the rest of Browns players don't follow rules. Well, this is the one that bothers me about Odell is, oh, well, we found out later in the week, you know, we were wearing, you know, we were in, you know, obviously, you know, the, the brown on brown. Uh, I didn't have any other cleats. Bullcrap. Bro, you didn't, you didn't have any other cleats, dude. <laughs> <laughs> he's, got, he's got more cleats than, you know. Most people have food in their home. I mean, I don't want to, you know, the stop. Only, with the that. only cleats are the joke cleats I have. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm sure there was some, you know, I'm sure Nike had something set up where they wanted the pictures. They wanted to be able, there was something done there. But it's like, dude, don't tell me you didn't have the normal color because, you know, you wear white, they wear white cleats maybe what, two, three times a year. You're not going to tell me you, you had no plan B. Um, I know in his Nike contract is, well, he had, Whatever he had, I get, I want it for my teammates. He was able to switch his cleats at halftime into, you know, proper, like at the least. OBG model, yes. Right? Like it was they were, apparently some LBJ ripoff of one of his sneakers or whatever. So, yeah, he had a plan B. He had a plan B. You know, like he does that too. Like, so like he does stuff where he's wearing his LSU stuff pregame and, and it's for a show and all that. And that's fine. Like, you know, but show up to play. And so another thing too is like, what the heck is Baker doing? Like showing up to the stadium in a full beard, and then comes out in in pregame warmups with the Fu Manchu and plays with the Fu Manchu, and then goes into the postgame presser. Like you, I mean, obviously you can't go into that postgame presser after you just lost with a Fu Manchu, but shave the whole thing off, man. Like, but like, what well, are you but doing? Here's the other thing, though. What are you doing in the first Who place doing that? Just room? you shouldn't Who be shaving. Um. Well, we're gonna do the quarterback re- meeting. Uh, I need about ten. I, I, I'm going to go. I decided not to go with the beard. It's just, what the hell are you thinking about on game days? You think Tom Some Brady, is, Tom Brady, Drew Brees, Aaron Rodgers, those guys are shaving in the locker room? No. They're getting ready and to look, play And look, and this game. is stuff that's going to come out when you were now two and six. These are, and look, they sound like annoying things to point out. But when you're two and six, and there's been obviously things that haven't gone right and they start to multiply. These are the pointed out. We're going to get to a couple of things real quick with uh, John Costco as we start to put it close to this. With Roman, you can get a free online evaluation and ongoing care for ED. All from the comfort and privacy of your home. Just go to roman.com slash locked L-O-C-S. 
to get a free online visit and free two-day shipping. Go ahead, uh, give it a ride, so to speak. Check out the folks over at Roman. We appreciate them for sponsoring the podcast. But as I was saying, John, this is the stuff that gets pointed out and gets ridiculed when your record is where you're at. Look, you know, you're seven and one, you're eight and no. Um, if you're changing your cleans, nobody gives a damn. But, you know, and this is the stuff you bring on yourself when your record's where you're at. And you also wonder, like, you know, where's Freddie? Dude, you're wearing a dark uniform. What the hell are you wearing the white cleats for? I mean, stop it before it goes down. And look, I mean, if Odell wants to pay a $25,000 fine, God bless him. But the referees right now, there's so much going on Browns-wise, whether it's their play and all this other crap that they're doing. And oh, it's a nice well, You're giving them reason to. It's like the kid who goes to school to look to get into trouble. And it's I, I, I hate to even have to talk about this stuff, but it's annoying when it gets this far. Yeah, I mean, I was listening actually to a, a podcast uh, today about like a, a military guy probably talking about like like they have uniforms and they have to be this, a certain way every single time. And it's just about it's not about like like yeah, there's there's are, are certain aspects of a uniform ridiculous? Sure, but they're like they, the rules are there, and you have to follow them. And by following those rules, you're you're showing discipline, at least respect to whoever's made these rules. Um, you know, and, and and as kids, you parents make up arbitrary rules all the time. Like we're parents, we've we've done that. We know that. Like there's certain set of rules that kids have to follow just because that's the rules that you made up and you want order in, in your in your family um and players that's no different for a team you make you have rules that they have to follow um because you want order and discipline and not chaos and is it a sign of of you know chaos inside the team well the product on the field kind of looks like there's chaos inside the team so it's it's one of those things where like like do you want like obviously a player going on twitter five minutes after the game and, and making death threats to, to people um, that, that shows like there's chaos going on inside that building that we're not privy to at least on a, on a regular basis. Cause we're obviously not in that building, but it shows up on the field. It shows up on Twitter rants. It shows up in, in blow ups at press conferences. It shows up in not having the proper uniform attire. It, it all shows up uh, when, especially, and it's very noticeable when you're losing. Now, if they're winning, you, obviously, you're not getting these players going on Twitter and having these rants. Um, you people would be laughing up the the bad, you know, the cleats or whatever to like, uh, you know, one cool looking cleats. Get you know, get the right stuff on. You know, no, nobody would care. But like when the product looks bad on the field, everything's undisciplined. The team's looking really bad, and everything like that. It just everything gets magnified, and it, there's a reason why is that all that shows is there's definitely chaos going inside that building. And it very well might likely be worse than it was last year, which is very disturbing to, to even think about. Well, cause I, I think this year it's more a, a little bit of being braggadocious without actually having done anything. And it certainly doesn't help when your quarterback's sitting there waiting for something in the headset. And meanwhile, the play sheets behind the head coach's ass because he's has an issue with the line judge or whatever official standing next to him when we're trying to get a play called here, Freddie. So, you know, there's that type of stuff here. Uh, we're going to put a bow on this. Obviously we got to cover the offense. We got to cover the defense here. 
Uh, you know, John always, you know, having played, you know, there's things you understand. And, and, you know, normally you don't care. But, you know, look, you're two and six. You don't get the special liberties. So it gets annoying to have to cover it. But this is where this product is taking you now. Um, but, look, going further here, let's let's see what's left of the youth. Um, look, the schedule still should provide wins. I don't think it's going to right now unless you run the I'm table. predicting the loss next week, by the way. Bill's defense is very good. The thing about better, Buffalo is, the thing about Buffalo is they are just a good team. They play as a football team all the way around. Yeah, and they they have Josh Allen, who's not a good quarterback, as their quarterback, so you have a chance. But they're a better football team. So, yep. All right, well, we're going to put a bow on this here. Obviously, guys, uh, check out John's work over at PFF. Uh, PFF Browns, obviously, you get a bunch of tons of great stuff over there. Uh, make sure you're following at John Costco three. The podcast itself at Locked On Browns, all lowercase, always a follow back account. DMs always open. Me personally at Jeff underscore LJ underscore Lloyd. DMs are open over there. We appreciate you guys for everything. L, uh, the venue daily delivery of all things dog pound. LGB. Let's go, Browns.